Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For those of you on ACIM Gather, what you can't see is I have what's called an eye crutch, which is basically a peg leg for one leg. So I'm um, getting over having had surgery about two and a half weeks ago. So I'm here. I'm good. I just gotta scoop my little tushy up on the bench. And thank you, Reverend Peter. For those of you who were at Market Street, you will recognize the beautiful stool that used to be our waiting area for the restroom. Um, but it became Reverend Peter's, and now it's here supporting my tushy wall. I'm actually, this will work well. I always like to put my foot up here, too. Ooh, I can put my foot up um, while I'm speaking. So, yeah, it was an interesting thing. And most of you, for those of you who don't know, Market Street, where we used to be, was 26 steps up and down. And I was on some pain medicine for a back injury, and I managed to fall down the stairs and bust my foot. So I um, had surgery two and a half weeks ago. My dog is apparently really excited to hear me speaking, I'm guessing. <laughs> like, here's a little thump back there. So I am making love to this piece of here, too. Um, I was like, what do I want to speak about this week? And what do I want to share? And I was thinking about work, and I don't know why that exactly came up in my mind, um, but decided to talk about work. And I think I have probably one of the most unusual um, work histories of anybody. And you actually, if you look at the cover on your program, I couldn't, get, I couldn't find pictures of me, but that's actually my four primary careers are on there. I was a waitress and worked in restaurants for many, many years. I actually started when I was 13 years old in my parents' restaurant. I became a school teacher. I actually taught math, but I couldn't find a good math teacher picture. But I taught math for about 10 years. That actually was the bulletproof vest I used to wear as a federal agent with IRS criminal investigations. Um, and we would do that. I mean, that's definitely that. I was like, I, I saw that picture. I was like, oh, that's even the targets we used to use at the shooting range, you know? And then I went through a few changes and I ended up becoming a minister. And so I've definitely got an unusual background. And those are my four primary careers. I've also, you know, again, some of the little jobs I've done. I was a strawberry vendor. Yes, you heard that right. Strawberry vendor. I sat you know those little stands on the side of the road? We had little pop-up tables. I sat with pop-up tables selling strawberries during college to make some money. I've done, um, I was a personal trainer for about six months. You know, this and that. So I've been around. And it's been interesting the way that work has evolved for me. Um, you know, sometimes I think, well, you know, I would love to be like, oh, it's easy working at a church. And it's, you know, some days it is and some days it's not. Uh, <laughs> you know? Um, of course, my, my supervisor's fabulous, so that's never an issue, but you know, sometimes other stuff happens. And, um, but it's been a journey for me to get here and be able to look at it. And so I thought, you know, especially, I will say the last waitress job I had was the job that kind of transformed my whole relationship to work. Mm. Completely transformed it. Up until then, I, you know, I've been a teacher for a while, didn't really care. Um, while I was a federal agent was when I actually started on this spiritual path. I looked at some other ones, but I was actually starting to say Course in Miracles while I was a federal agent. 
And it was one of the reasons that I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. It was really hard, I found, to be loving when you're knocking somebody's door down at 6 in the morning. <laughs> Even if you're like, oh, I'm here to, hi, I'm here to arrest you. You know, I mean, I was, I was as loving as you could be. But, you know, it was, it was a bit tough to find how to work that out. But in the midst of all that, I ended up becoming a waitress for a while and trying to kind of figure out what I was going to do with my life and go on. And there were some things that I specifically learned that became tools for me of making my work work for me. Because it was, I will say, the single, quote, quote, you know, if, if I'm going to classify it, worst waitress experience I've ever had. Mm. I had, I've spoken about this a little bit before, I had, I've never had a restaurant where, like, literally you'd have three tables at one end of the restaurant and four tables at the other end of the restaurant. And if you were getting food for one end and didn't see a table sit on the other end of the restaurant, the manager would yell at you. You know? And I had one day I said to the manager, I said, hey, you know, what station am I supposed to go be on? Because I didn't know what station I was supposed to be on. And he kind of snapped at me. I went back. He yells at me for having an attitude for asking what station I was supposed to be on. So it was a very, very challenging experience of waitressing. And it, I was like, when I got into it, I thought, well, this is going to be an easy job. It's waitressing. I've done it. You slap some plates on your arm and you run them out to the customers. So I want to share with you today some of the principles, some of the things I did, and I really began to incorporate to make my work work for me. Um, and part of this comes from the reading, so it's some other quotes. But the one quote says, you know, dream softly of your sinless brother who unites with you in holy innocence. From this dream, the Lord of heaven will awaken himself, will, will himself awaken his beloved son. Dream of your brother's kindness instead of dwelling in your dreams on his mistakes. This is the part I really like. It's to select his thoughtfulness to dream about instead of counting up the hurts he gives. Do not brush aside his many gifts because he is not perfect in your dream. Think of that. Don't brush aside the gifts he's given you because there's other things he did you didn't like. And that's talking for me, that's an issue of perception. Do I choose to look at my brother and say, you did this wrong? My manager shouldn't have yelled at me. It wasn't my fault, I couldn't see. You know, I was trying to get food for the other end of the table. Do I look at him and observe that, or do I say he is a holy, innocent child of God, and he also went and got the drinks for that table. Now, he yelled at me, but he got the drinks for the table. Did I focus on he got the drinks, or did I focus on the you know, failure to communicate well? And I could choose to look at him as he is attacking me, he is being mean to me, or I could look at and say, I'm going to look at him in innocence. He's a manager trying to get the best service for my customers. How do I look at situations and people who are over me? Do I judge them from my perspective? Or do I look to see what they might be thinking and where they're coming from? We had last week, and I'll just say it's not related to work, but we talked about Trump. We talked about President Trump, and it came up a lot that we're saying, you know, he's a monster, he's crazy, he's whatever. And this kind of fits into that. Do I look at him from that perspective, or do I see a person who is probably doing the best he knows how? He's trying to make our country safe in the only way he may not understand how to. And maybe it doesn't come from the perspective I would prefer, but what do I choose to look at? Do I look at, oh, he's doing this and this and this, and I'm judging it as wrong? Or do I look at it and say, 
can I see this person as innocent? Can I see the perspective this person's coming from? And so it brings a whole new light to how you view, coming back to work, but how you view your supervisors. There's times when I'm in jobs and I thought that was the craziest, stupidest decision I've ever thought they made. But then when I sat with them, I realized they had a reason for it. And can I look at my brother and say, I understand that you are innocent, that you are holy, and I may not understand why, but I do know that you are doing the best you can, and I know that you have blessed me and gifted me in so many ways. And I choose to look at those instead of focusing on what I may deem as negative. So that was one of the things I did because I said, you know, there was days when that manager bugged me. There was actually a couple of managers that bugged me. There was a couple of managers that bugged everybody. <laughs> and I had to really step back and it actually got to a point where people were like, why is the manager nice to you? I said, because I don't yell at them. I don't agree with what they do, but I try to be grateful for the things that are helpful to me. And this is kind of continuing on the same thought. Says judgment, and this is back to the reading. Says judgment is but a toy, a whim. We got judgment's a toy. We play with judgment. Mm -hmm. Is judgment real, no. or is judgment just our perception? It's our opinion, usually. What if you recognize this world is a hallucination? What if you really understood you made it up? Hallucinations disappear when they are recognized for what they are. Once you accept this simple fact and take unto yourself the power you gave them. You are released from them. One thing is sure, hallucinations serve a purpose. Only two purposes are possible. One is sin, the other holiness. Nothing is in between, which you choose determines what you see. For what you see is merely how you elect to meet your goal. This is just continuing on with what I said, but it says what? What you choose determines what you see. When people came into the work and said, this guy's a jerk, well, guess what experience they had? He was a jerk. When I went to work and said, this manager's going to be helpful, guess what experience I usually had? He was helpful. <clears throat> because I was focusing and I was choosing to see a different perception than they were. And that creates my experience. And this, you know, this particular reading talks a bit about, you know, what if you realize the world's a hallucination? And that's, you know, gets kind of into the metaphysical. And I try to some people are really comforted by the thought that this world's a dream. That, you know, it's not really, you know, real. It's not, it's not what we would call the, you know, the truth, truth, truth of big T. For me, it's not, that doesn't help me so much. Some people do. It's great if it does. For me, I look at and I say, okay, it's the dream, but, and this is the part that I really like on this part. It says, once you accept this fact, you take unto yourself the power you gave them. You are released from them. Recognize the person outside of you does not have the power over you. I've heard people, you know, people say, oh, my boss made me do this. No, technically he didn't. Your boss told you to do it, and you chose to do it versus the option of being fired. <laughs> Correct? There's never a I was made to do anything. As soon as you say, I had to do this, I was made to do this, I've given my power to that other person. When I say, 
they told me to do this and I chose to do it because the other option wasn't so great. <coughs> I may not still be excited about doing it, but I now have the power that I have made a choice and I could choose differently if I wanted to. I could choose differently if I wasn't happy in the choice I made. It isn't I had to, it's I chose between two options and I chose what one felt better for me. And so be aware of that. Take back your power. I didn't have to always, you know, do everything my boss said, and sometimes I did, and occasionally I didn't. And <laughs> when I don't, you know, I deal with the consequences of it. But it takes away that idea of victimhood. And whether you say, well, it's because it's a dream I'm not a victim, or it's because I'm taking back my power I'm not a victim, <clears throat> I'm not a victim. I can choose to not allow this person outside of me to determine if I'm going to be peaceful or not. I don't have to give this person the power to rule my life, to control what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And I may choose it because that's the better of my options. You know, like I said, I used to be a school teacher and I would have students say, oh man, my mom made me do my homework last night. I said to them, no, your mom didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. So my, mom, my mom said I had to. I said, well, what happens if you didn't? Did your mom physically take your hand and force you to do the math problems? No. But mom said, you do it or you're going to be grounded. And guess what? The kid was like, in the other room doing it. Mom didn't make him. He chose between two choices. So look at that and say, oh my gosh, now first of all, this person's, you know, supervisor, whoever, maybe it's a coworker even. I'm going to see them as innocent. I'm going to choose to see the best in them. And I'm going to choose how I manage myself in this situation. I'm going to choose whether I do the things or don't do the things. I'm going to choose, and maybe you know, I personally believe in doing my best while I'm at a job. But that's a choice. And if I choose that, I live with the results of that. Good or bad, but it's still a choice. So I can give up that victimhood. So Reverend Chai did very nice cards for me and I'm still managing to mix them up. <laughs> this one I use more, so I mean with my employer but also customers, um, and I've used this quote several times. The miracle offers exactly the same response to every call for help. It does not judge the call. It merely recognizes what it is and answers accordingly. The only judgment involved at all is the Holy Spirit's one division into two categories. One of love and the other the call for love. Where there is love your, must, your brother must give it to you because of what it is. But, there, what it, but, but where there is need for love you must give it because of what you are. I that's probably one of my favorite passages in the entire Course of Miracles. There's a few. It's one of my favorites. If your brother is of love and acting from love, he is going to act loving to you because he is love. She is love. If the brother is not acting in a way that's loving, it's just a call for you to be loving. Saying, my brother's being a jerk, so I'm going to be a jerk back, is not what we're asked to do by the Course. Course says that brother is acting in fear. That brother is acting in pain. That brother is confused. 
I likened it this week. I was doing my um, ACM Gather show on Monday. And I said, you know, sometimes we don't act like we're love. But have you ever seen, I love watching videos on YouTube of animals. I love animals, right? A couple of weeks ago, I saw a video and it said, this raccoon thinks he's a dog. And I don't know how it happened, but this raccoon got adopted by this family and they've raised it with their dogs. And the raccoon runs around acting like a dog. Thinks he's one of the dogs. Guess what? No matter how much that raccoon acts like a dog, he's still a raccoon. No matter if they feed the raccoon dog food, it's still a raccoon. No matter what is said, no matter what that raccoon looks like, it's still a raccoon. And I said, that's how we are. We are love. Our employer is love. Our colleagues are love. Anyone and everything we encounter is love. Sometimes they're just confused and they think they're a dog instead of thinking they're a raccoon. That's the only issue. And so when you look at your brother and say, okay, maybe this doesn't look like love, I'm going to hold the space in knowing that you are love. You are an innocent child of God. You are a holy being created by God. It says, you know, God is love and therefore so am I. I'm going to know that for my brother, even if I don't think he's acting like it. And if my boss is not being in a per place I'm happy with, I'm going to come from love. For me, that means I try to do a good job. I try to be understanding. I try to be more patient. I try to look at the things he is doing or she is doing and look for the good coming from it rather than indulging in the ego that says, let me focus on them being a jerk. Let me focus on them not doing what I think should be done. Let me focus on blah, blah, blah. And so you come to this space of saying, I'm going to try to come from love in all circumstances. One of my goals when I was a waitress was I wanted every table to leave a little happier than when they came. That was my goal. I wanted them to leave a little happier when they came. And there were some tables that were so challenging. So challenging. I'll share one with you. Extremely challenging. Um, last table of the night, I knew I was getting off. So of course I'm like, I want to get out of here, right? Now I'm happy and I'm, and this table is like eight people and they're talking. I can tell it's like family that's staying with family, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, you know, well, we want this, but can we have separate checks? And then it got into, well, we'd like to split a piece of pie, and so we want the peanut butter piece of pie, but if you could split it in half, but then he wants chocolate sauce on it. So if you could put chocolate sauce on the side for his half, and she wants to split apple pie, but only one of them wants all mode, but the other one's cheese on it. It was like the most complicated table I've ever done, right? And I just smiled, and I kept bringing food out, and they finally said, you know, we'd like the food to go, and I said, okay, and so on their, on their um, to-go containers, on, on the, um, Things. I put like a little picture of an apple, um, and I used like a heart for the apple shape, right? Made a little apple, drew a little apple so they knew which container was the apple pie, right? Didn't think anything of it. Take it back to the table, serve it to them, and I said, so what are you guys all together for? Because you're obviously like so-and-so staying in so-and-so's room, you obviously don't want to live together. And the girl says to me, she goes, you see how you drew the apple? And I said, yeah. She says, I gave birth three days ago. My daughter's having heart surgery tomorrow. This is my family is here to support me. And I just went, oh my God. <laughs> you know, and I still follow them. The daughter had that, she's had three heart surgeries now. And I think she's about three years old. She had um, one half of her heart didn't develop. 
So they've had to create, like, literally, like, rebuild her heart so that it can go both directions. Mm. You know, you never know what somebody's encountering. You never know what somebody's working through. That table was, like I said, it was probably the hardest table I've ever served. And then I found out the reason they were together is because this child, they were trying to come together and support the family. And hopefully their child wasn't going to die at three years of age, or three days of age. You never know. And so you reach out and you say to your brother, I'm going to see you in love. I'm going to reach out to you with love. And sometimes we get crazy about our work. You know, there's actually a term in Japan, because so many people in Japan die at their desks, they actually have a name for it. Um, like, dropping dead at work. Because they get so stressed with work. And we get stressed. We've, I was reading it, so, so we, we take leave about 50% of our vacation days because we think we need to work more. And what are we working for? We're working to get the stuff that we don't have the time to enjoy because we're working. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, can we take our involvement, our work or whatever we're doing, and transform it so that it is an expression of love and we see the innocence of our brother? And sometimes you could do little things for reminders. I wear these little, you know, little Mala bracelets all the time. If you ever see me, you ever see me doing this kind of thing when I'm talking to somebody? Because I'm usually annoyed. And I'm just kind of going, I am love, I'll be loving, I am love, I'll be loving. You know, that's kind of my way of remembering it. When I was waitressing, I had little cards with the course <laughs> lesson. I tuck it in my tip pocket. So every time I put a tip away, it would remind me of the lesson of the day. You find little ways to come back to be heart-centered and to share the grace and beauty of what is growing in your life with those around you, regardless of what circumstance you, or job you find yourself. So thank you very much. I just got the zero. That was perfect timing. <laughs> and that's my talk. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.